Welcome back, everyone, to the Cruise Corner Podcast. As always, this is Lonnie. Today, I have an, another Army veteran joining me, Sean Goulenbelt. Did I butcher it? Uh, it's, it's pretty close. All right. I figured I was going to completely jack that up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Sean, Sean's another Army veteran. He's going to be joining me. So uh, I know you got 51 Bravo, but do you want to start off talking about what you did in the Army, how long you're in, all that good stuff? Sure. Yeah. It all kind of ties together. Um, I was in way back. I'm really old. So uh, 1986 is when I went in. Um, typical uh, big fish in a small pond. Couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Went to junior college for a year and uh, kind of put off my army time then, but it was, I had to get out. So uh, joined and actually picked the MOS of 51 Bravo which is Carpenter and Mason, believe it or not, which is basically a combat engineer with uh, an emphasis on how, here's how you swing a hammer, basically. <laughs> right so, on. <laughs> so I signed up for four and did two and then realized that um, if you had a year of college, you could apply to get an early out and go to the uh, green to gold program okay. through university. So, you know, as, as you can imagine, I jumped through, I don't know how many, it starts at company commander and I literally went through brigade battalion, uh, post commander had to have interviews all the way up the food chain. And, uh, but eventually got out after two years active. So I went in as a PFC, got out as a spec four, and uh, then became a cadet, um, which was an interesting position. Uh, so I was an ROTC simultaneously in an engineering unit as assistant platoon leader um, for a construction unit. And then after graduation, I became commissioned and then was a platoon leader in that same guard unit for, I think I was total in the guard for five years. And then that unit disbanded and they really didn't have a spot for me. And at that time I was kind of just fine with that. So I went on IRR for a little bit and then I got called back to be, this was funny. I had to be an XO for a drill sergeant training. And I just walked in and said, dude, there's nothing I'm going to tell you that you don't already know. So I, point me to my office if you need me to sign anything you just you let me know so that's kind of I cruised through like the last six months of it just you know I was holding that position because it was open but uh really I did a lot of reading the newspaper you know that type of thing <laughs> that was so the only thing about that is though I have a I don't know how many people have an honorable discharge from active the guard and the reserve so I got a trifecta going so you're definitely the first person I've met with it so <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's got to be worth something. <laughs> so, when you got out, what was the uh, the transition like? Was it pretty easy to go back into, or was there some struggle with that? The the biggest thing was that was odd for me is um, because of my age. You know, I did so I was nineteen when I went in, um, and then yeah, so I was twenty one, twenty two. Um, when I started as, I mean, I had a year of junior college, but I was basically a freshman at a four-year university. So yeah. I'm 20, 21, 22, fresh out of the service, and I got a bunch of 18-year-olds. Um, it, it was culture shock from 
I was just like, what in the hell is wrong with all of you people? You know, everybody's just, they're walking in late, they're sitting at the back of the class, they're jaw jacking, they're just, I was just in culture shock that all of what I was seeing is, is okay, you know, and normal. So it, it took me a minute to assimilate back into, well, I guess I never really did uh, assimilate into the true college culture, but uh, being an ROTC did help to a degree, but even then, you know, there was only one or two prior service there. So even that ROTC culture was kind of, I don't know, army cosplay or something, you know, it was just kind of, <laughs> so, I mean, I did what I had to do, I guess. Yeah. No, I understand that completely. When I got out, I was, I think, 26 when I left active duty and I went back to college for my bachelor's, but I had to take a couple classes because uh, I had graduated with my associates in California and then I went to Florida for the reserves and Florida didn't like my units from California. So I had to retake a couple yep. classes. So I ended up in classes with like, 18, 19 year olds. And I felt yeah. like Billy Madison sitting in there yeah. and just the, <laughs> the level of discipline and stuff like that. Cause I was probably not much younger than the teacher. So it was kind of right. like, I felt like I was at her level and then all these kids are jacking around in the back and it's just like, Oh, like just no patience for it at all. Yeah. Yeah. I had a hard time. And, and that coupled with the national guard too, even that was just like, wow, you gotta be kidding me. You know, I didn't enjoy that either. That was very similar to the college experience too, you know? Yeah. When I jumped over to the reserves, it's just like, Ooh, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> right. This is, Same. this feels very, it already felt civilian. Like it already yes. felt like that's who I was with. And it's just like, Oh, I don't feel like I really belong here. And like yeah. the jokes didn't work. Cause I came from, I was attached to a cavalry unit. And yeah. uh, when I went over to the reserves, it's like, Ooh, you can't talk about that here. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of like, you need to behave yourself. Like I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> reminiscing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I'm not making this shit up. Right. <laughs> so, I know you said you had a uh, building and remodeling company for 12 years. What led you to go the knife route? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting thing because I've been in construction, you know, my whole life, even in the Army. And uh, so I'm still doing that to this day. Um, but I'm slowly kind of taking less and less work. You know, I'm going to be 53 this month. So... I had no idea I was going to make it this long, you know, so I, I would have just, I would have taken way better care of myself. If I don't know. Um, so the construction parts really starting to hurt, you know, but so I'm being more selective with my work, doing more interior trim stuff. I'm just doing things I can do on my own. Yeah. And maybe four years ago, my brother, he was actually in the Marine Corps he is now a professor at a university, but at the time he was down in Texas and he hooked up with this old cranky old duffer named Stanley that just makes impeccable knives. I mean, last knife I saw him post sold for $2,000, you know, it's oh, wow. a jackknife. It's this big, you know, and uh, <laughs> he's that guy. And so my brother trained with him for quite a while and he kind of started showing me a little bit and I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Everybody needs a knife, whatever. Um, but for whatever reason, maybe four years ago, I decided to try to make one on my own. And uh, I've always made stuff with my hands, but not necessarily out of metal. But as soon as I made that first one, I was like, okay, I need to make another and another. And it's just been snowballing ever since. So 
now I do that, especially this pandemic thing. My orders have been going off the chart. Everybody's sitting home ordering knives. So it's been a good thing. I'm just out in shop all day, every day. Yeah, I think the the knives and guns sales have really uh, <laughs> totally have yeah. had some help with this. And yes. uh, I saw was it last May you were on Forged in Fire, season yeah. seven, episode three. Episode three, <laughs> yeah, to be exact. Yeah, that was quite the experience. Um, I hooked up with a number of people. I don't know how much you watch television or you don't, but there's a there's Nowadays a show tons. also. <laughs> yeah okay yeah there's a show on the history channel called alone and i really enjoy that they take uh like 10 survivalist type people and dump them just in bfe and they get 10 10 items and that's it and the only weapon i mean you could have a knife and you can have a bow or like a recurve bow and arrow so uh they dump them just in the remotest locations and uh, whoever lasts the longest wins a million bucks. So um, it's just an awesome, I, I don't know, I couldn't do it. Um, and I've noticed that most of the military personnel that join it, no matter how hardcore they are, they don't, they don't make it. And one guy seemed to sum it up the best. He said, when you get into that situation, when you're by yourself, we're trained to figure out how to get the hell out of there. You know yeah. what I mean? That, and get back to our unit. Or yeah, you're not trying to, to stay out in bunker. You're not trying to stay. <laughs> you know? So I noticed there were a ton of military people that are more than equipped to do it. But it, also I noticed they couldn't just sit still. There were people that were basically, they were eating once a day. So they're just laying around all day, you know, trying to conserve no their energy because people lose 40 and 50 pounds out there. And the military guys are like, yeah, I'm going to go do something, you know, <laughs> so they couldn't, they couldn't do it. But anyway, I hooked up with uh, one of the survivalist guys on there and made a knife for him, uh, kind of to his specs and finally got to meet him. His name's Britt Ahart. And I dug him because he's, uh, he's an accountant, you know, and uh, he just liked to be outside and the dude just killed it. He went on the show twice. And both times uh, he made it to second place and he's like, okay, I think I'm good. You know, he didn't have to, <laughs> he's just like, I'm done. I'm bored. I want to go home, you know, 70 days or whatever. He just, so I really, we hit it off and uh, he said, Hey man, um, I got connections at history channel. If you ever been on forged and fire or applied, I said, well, no, I can't imagine they would select me. So now nah, let me make a few phone calls and like, three days I had uh, an application. So, and that is a big hoop jumping process too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it went from maybe March of last year to I was on the show at the end of May. So, oh wow, yeah, yeah it happened really quickly. <laughs> yeah. So it was, that's a grueling process. Like the, the first day is like 14 hours, you know, and it's, it's mostly uh, green room stuff, you know, the, the, it's all production and it's all, everybody around's wearing black, everybody around has an earpiece and somebody's talking in their ear half the time, you don't know if they're talking to you or who the hell they're talking to, <laughs> yeah. so that was interesting, but, uh, and the competition met uh, three really awesome dudes that I competed with, I talked to them all the time. I didn't win, unfortunately, spoiler alert, but um, I wasn't the first guy they sent packing either, you know, so. Um, <laughs> That's always good. 
yeah, this one yeah. Out. I didn't completely screw up, only kind of. So. <laughs> so I was watching the uh, the promo video you sent me, and I saw that you you guys kind of you repurpose stuff like lawnmower yes. blades. What's the coolest thing you've gotten to repurpose since making stuff? Um. I just finished one. I got this guy. He's like this. He, he's a fire chief in and around my area. And uh, he says he's going to have to start working overtime to support his knife habit because he's, he's coming back to me with all these things, which is, you know, of course I love it. But um, first he brought two knives from his grandfather on one side that I completely repurposed for him. Um, one uh was apparently he was a and i'll probably mess it up because it's navy stuff i don't really know uh but basically a medic in the navy and in world war ii korean war era they had these basically like a swiss army knife you know and it it was inscribed with uh medical corps that type of thing so that was really neat to uh to totally refurbish but then once i refurbished those he brought me a file from grandpa and a beam from his barn um, to make for his son. In fact, he's given that to his son on Sunday. So basically I'm taking grandpa's old file, making a knife out of it, taking a barn beam, chopping it down, putting a handle on it. So it's everything. Um, and I've done that for a handful of people. I've taken uh, bandsaw blades from the old, uh, uh sawmills these bandsaws are like freaking six feet long eight feet long the blades are like this wide and i'm able to cut a knife out of that and put uh wood handles on it so tons of grandpa's old stuff turned into new knives you know i really like that yeah that's really cool to kind of give stuff a whole new life it is it's a neat little you know otherwise thing. it's just sitting on a shelf yeah that was my grandpa's okay cool but and Granted, it probably still sits on a shelf, but at least, you know, it's a functional tool. Guys are taking it out when they go hunting and using it, uh, you know, to uh, process animals, that type of thing. So it's kind of neat. That's cool. At least you have, so you said that the pandemic hasn't really slowed, like it's pretty much sped you up. Like you've had, still getting orders totally. and so you're not, yep. this hasn't come down on you like some other people where you've had to like close shop or anything like that. Not at all. Um, as long as I don't look at my 401k, um, everything else is, is going really well. I just, that comes in the mail and I just kind of file it. I don't even want to look, but yeah, yeah no. Um, I also make carving knives for, there's a, a whole community of decoy carving, duck decoy carving guys. It's a, it's a thing. I'll, I'll have to send you I a link. I would have never guessed. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's, it's a buddy of mine from town here that he, he is a carver and he actually took me to Ohio to this huge convention of decoy carvers and the, the stuff that they make, I mean, you expect that duck to just get up and start walking around, man. I mean, it's so realistic. And uh, so I started making knives for that to his specifications. And uh, I had a guy just walk up to me and he kind of dumped some knives on the table. And he said, think you can make those I'm like I don't know why not sure so he walked away and my buddy's like you know who that is I'm like mm, nope just met him and uh, he was an eight-time world champion carver oh, wow. and uh, so I made a couple knives for him to his specs and once this pandemic started 
he's in Idaho, I think. He started doing live videos on some tips and stuff as to how to carve. There's, you know, all kinds of little tricks of the trade, as you can imagine. And uh, he did live video and he just kind of threw out there, yeah, Sean makes me my knives, blah, blah, blah. And he's carving away. Well, I didn't even know he did it. And uh, the next day it's just ding, ding, ding. All of a sudden orders start coming. People are sending me emails, asking questions. I'm like, why all this? I haven't sold one of these in a year. What the hell's going on? Um, so I kind of chimed in and uh, now five weeks later, I know I've made a hundred of these nights and I've got, I'm still two weeks behind. Oh, wow. It's insane. Yeah. So that's pretty much got, what I'm doing. At least you can keep busy during the quarantine. Totally. <laughs> know a lot of people are going insane right now. Nobody has hobbies or anything to. <laughs> I know. And that's the thing, you know, for me, work was something I had to do just enough of so I could go make knives or I could go, you know, I do a lot. I got 20 acres here. So I'm always, you know, I'm on my tractor, I'm planting a garden, I'm a deer hunter, I'm setting things up for that. You know, work is a necessary evil. So I'm in my heyday, you know, I love it. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, I've lately I've just been like, okay, I'll start a project on the house and it's starting to become like the Winchester house where I just keep adding to it because it's like I don't know what to do. And it's like quarantine keeps getting extended and then we got menards yeah. out here and they just keep extending their sales. So it's just like Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, see we got sale. menards too. We menards uh I have basically have my own coffee cup at Menards, you know, being a builder, I just walk in and like, hey, you know, I'm like Norman, cheers. So um, I haven't been there. I think they're worried about me, probably. But yeah, they've been seeing us. <laughs> <laughs> like we just—it's just like going to be a fortress by the time this thing ends. Yeah. Because it's just like, oh, there's another sale on bricks. Better get another fifty. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, we so, need them. All of a yeah. sudden, it's like all these things. Like I've had uh, just been putting pictures up on social media of like what I'm doing to just show people, like, oh, there's stuff you can do. Like, here's some ideas. And it's like from what my backyard was before the pandemic, yeah. it's kind of empty, overgrown. I have a pretty good size lot, but uh, now it's like I have a full functioning garden in the corner. I got this yeah. giant fire pit going on with seating. It's just like, everybody's like, yeah. what happened? It doesn't even look like the same house. It's like, I'm bored. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're like straight out of Pinterest now. You're, you're, you're up to speed. That's it's awesome. Like, yeah, so it's good though to have something like that that you can do. And I saw that. Uh, I think it was also on your promo video about your brother does leather work. Yes. Do you guys ever do any like collaboration type stuff? Yeah, I'll have to send you uh, a picture or two. The most, the latest one we did is just, I made that knife like a year or so ago. And, uh, you know, I think like, I don't know, maybe it's not a military thing, but I'm my own worst critic, you know, I mean, you, you get through it and you get them like, eh, okay, you know, it's done, but. I want to do it again. You know, I, here's what I yeah. did wrong. Um, but this piece, um, I'll have to send you a picture on that. It, it was my first Bowie or Bowie knife. And I made my own Damascus uh, steel with a friend of mine. I was actually training to go on Forged and Fire with a blacksmith friend of mine. And he was teaching me all this. And a good friend of mine bought that knife. And then a year later, he saved up enough cash to have my brother make the sheath for it. And it's just lights out. He's my brother's been doing the leather thing for maybe 10 years. And honestly, he could quit his teaching job at any time. 
Um, but he's kind of just there because he's tenured and he's got benefits. Um, but yeah, the boy just, he teaches online and makes leather stuff 24 seven. That's what he does. But, um, he is Diomedes Industries and, uh, He's an interesting dude, man. If he, I don't know that there are too many uh, jarhead philosophy professors out there. <laughs> I, I can't imagine there's too many. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though, that you guys can do that. Leather work is one of those things I told myself, at some point in my life, I'll figure out how to do it. But I always, like, I'll get the stuff, and then it's like, I get distracted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Something else. Yeah. But uh, Shiny. Those, yeah, just I like one of those little people like that. Just hobbies. I always like to just have stuff to do with my hands. So it's like leather work, Same. wood burning, stuff like that. And I think it's Same. from watching my dad. My dad's an army vet. Uh, always building little things. Uh, yep. Never any formal training in anything. Just figuring it out. <laughs> just, that's uh, trial and error. That's what I always say about me. As far as pretty much anything I make, I, I'm good enough to get paid. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's, um, I'm not. There's tons of dudes better at lots of things than me, but I'm good enough to get paid at a lot of things. You know, so oh, yeah. that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's plenty of things I've had to do where it's just like, oh, I mean, it's nice. It's like you're not going to pay for it, are you? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, my brother has done. Yeah, he's done a whole series of uh, leather instructional videos. I'll have to forward you that stuff too, because if you're, uh, you know, the pandemic's got you, you've got everything done, man. You get a whole new rabbit trail, big time. Yeah, it's time to start watching some more YouTube videos and figure out what the heck else to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. just got to keep busy. The last thing I want to do is come in this pandemic and just be like, oh, I didn't do anything. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I caught up on my sleep. <laughs> but like, I know a lot of people look at it where they're like, you know, it's not really a, like how much you do kind of competition. But uh, for some of us, it's like things like mental illness and stuff like that. It's like you have to. Like I have yes. major anxiety. I struggle with depression. So for me, staying busy is keeping out of my head. And yes. so... Uh, that's what that's why I've been pushing so many podcast episodes lately because it's like I've seen so many veterans that are just getting into that mindset of like oh my god like what's happening and yeah going back into isolation it's just like no I mean we're kind of on deployment again you know the toilet paper right. is gone you know there <laughs> might be food <laughs> like, yeah. you know you have to see how many tan t-shirts and socks you can sacrifice to make sure. up for the toilet yeah. paper but it's like care you know, right. it's like we've been here before you guys like you just kind of yeah. you know uh it'll be okay. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a lot of just finding things to do. And so I like getting people like you on here to talk about things that you're doing because it gives people ideas and it, things that people maybe never thought of like, oh, you know, maybe I would like to learn how to make knives or something. And yeah, now's the time to do it. I mean, like now's the time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Time That's all I work. did. You know, you just start watching YouTube. I mean, it's a, how, how, how hard can it be? Right. That's, but I'm, sure I I, I'm the same. <laughs> I'm the same in that regard, and uh, my brother and I talk about it to great length. Um, we're both uh, super anxiety-ridden, you know, and I never really realized it, not even in the service. Um, but there's always that, dry, like if I'm sitting in my chair, 
And if I've sat there, sometimes I'll watch TV, but by and large, it's like, okay, I, what am I doing? I should be doing something. And if I, once I'm doing something, okay, how much is this thing worth? I spent two hours on this. Is somebody going to buy it? Or, you know, I have to put a value on everything too. It's hard for me to just sit down and experiment with something. I wasted half a day. I didn't do anything. I didn't produce anything. I didn't sell anything. I didn't. Yeah. And I don't know why we're both the same. We, uh, my brother and I, we have to be producing. And I don't know what that's about, but uh, it's it certainly, uh, you know, it, Let's put it this way. We're on Selexa. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I felt with uh, picking up the gardening and stuff during this pandemic. Because it was like, I just spent all this money building this. And then I don't even know if anything's going to grow. Right, I don't, right. I don't get a yield from this. Did I just blow a bunch of money and time out right. here? <laughs> like, yes, yes. So, yeah, and then there's just the anxiety of that. It's just like, because now I'm done with it. So now I'm worried yep. about it. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we're the same in that regard. Like sometimes I, if I want to have a new thing, a new piece of equipment, same deal. It's just one more thing to worry about, right? And it's like, uh, I think maybe I'll just not, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, uh, I have done some videos myself, uh, tried to keep people occupied. Like uh, I did some DIY birdhouses and I've had people... Oh, no. I just throw it up on Facebook and I've had people, their kids have done it. Um, they're sending me pictures of the birdhouses they made for my video, that type of thing. So that's really cool. That's been fun. Yeah, that's fun. Do you have any, uh, besides just like finding things to do, do you have any advice to people that might be struggling during quarantine or just kind of vets or just people in general? Right. I, I would say uh, for me and, and, now that we've been doing this for a little bit, I mean, to me, it's almost been a little bit more of a, a correction phase because you have the time to think about those people that you, you're not reaching out to or you haven't reached out to, family members, friends, that type of thing. So it's a really good time to catch up with other people and truly, you know, listen to them and get involved in, in what they're doing. And um, it helps you get out of your own head too. And also, uh, same with, like, I put it out on Facebook the other day. I said, is there anybody that needs anything? You know, I'm, I'm not going to start making a bunch of masks. That's, I, I don't know how to sew. That's not my thing, you know. But um, I see there's people that have needs out there. So I put it on Facebook, and I was contacted by a kid who was going for his Eagle Scout, and he wants to do a handicap access ramp to – uh, it's like a food pantry type thing. Okay. And so he needs to do it for his Eagle Scout. And, but he has, he's not construction, you know, so I'm, I just met with him and uh, we're trying to get that figured out. Um, so I think just try to be as helpful as you can. That gets you out of your own head and it inevitably makes you feel better that you're helping out another person, you know, in some small way. And it can be something stupid and small, but yeah. you know, it definitely been, helps. The pandemic's been interesting because I, I even had a guest on recently that was talking about how it's like, I finally know my neighbors. It's like how far right. it's taken us kind of back in time to where it's like, okay, where uh, we've slowed down a little bit. And it's like, so everybody's kind of, okay, like, 
we're home. How are you doing? Like, haven't seen yeah. you before. I've lived here six years, but you know. <laughs> like, Isn't that funny? That's the way it goes. We, um, my wife um, is from suburbia and I'm from the country. Um, so we now live out in the country. I mean, there are as many tractors and horses on our dirt road as there are regular cars, you know, so it's, it's, it's really not a change. We, we know our neighbors, they stop by, you know, we had our neighbor pull up yesterday, we're working in the garden and she just pulls in the driveway on her horse, you know, so, um, but th that part's been good too, because I hate that we've gotten away from that, you know, community is so important. And uh, I think we get too bogged down thinking that we're in a community when it's more of a virtual Community. Yeah, I think that's kind of the downside with technology is that we feel connected when we're really disconnecting from people because now we're all like, oh, well, I could just send you a text and, you know, we just connected. Yes. But it's like, there's not a lot of face-to-face -face conversation going on anymore. I, yeah. I know for me, it's changed a lot just from when I was a kid because I remember growing up and you knew everybody. Like you could yeah. walk by every house and uh, you knew who lived there. And yep. most people knew your parents, so you didn't screw around because they <laughs> were looking <laughs> yeah, back. That's bad. <laughs> but now it's like, like I said, I've lived in the same neighborhood for six years, and I couldn't tell you a single person's name. Yep. And yep. some people have kids, and it's like my kids never played with them. It's like everybody kind of stays away from each other. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, people have come out and waved a little bit more since the pandemic, but it's still right. like you're actually seeing who lives at the houses now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so you're the guy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I think another thing that just kind of popped into my head, something that I, you know, I've been out forever and I never really sought out any veteran programs. It was ne other than, you know, getting 10% off at Home Depot or whatever. I never really, I never really looked into what all is available for veterans out there. And, um, I actually had a guy come to work for me. He graduated from college. He was uh, 11 Bravo. Uh, he was in the 101st. And um, good guy. And he just graduated. So he was kind of in his transition from college to whatever his real job is going to be. So he worked with me for quite a while. And he is very involved um, with a bunch of things uh, veteran related. And one of them that he turned me on to was a veteran entrepreneur course have you been involved or seen any of those type of things i've seen a few of them i haven't really looked into them with too much depth yeah this was i mean if the first fact that jumped out at me and i was already doing it and didn't realize it but um veterans are i think 40 percent more likely to work for themselves or find the or establish their own business and I didn't really realize that. Um, so they had a course that was kind of sponsored by the Small Business Development Association in our community and a college. And it was all free. And they had a bunch of other veteran business owners that come in once a week. And you talk about how do you get a loan? How do you finance it? How do you do marketing? How do you... It was just a super valuable program. And basically you start the... It's through, uh, it's called Company Starters, and it's a whole workbook where you identify, I mean, you start from, okay, what do I want to be when I grow up, to developing an entire business. And at the end, you do like a showcase where everybody does a presentation on their business, and um, 
a bunch of the local community business people will come and check it out. And it's actually a competition. Uh, at the end of ours, I won three grand just, oh, wow. just, just doing a pitch on my business. Um, and there were two guys, they were both uh, army vets too. They won, they did a great job. They, uh, they're selling mushrooms. That's their job, that's their business. Um, but it's basically sustainable living, in other words, kind of like the gardening thing we talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, just being able to, even if you're in the city or something, they will actually help you start um, even from a little window box and be able to grow your own vegetables, that type of thing, so. Yeah, um, that would be a great thing for people. It really was, and I would recommend that highly if there's vets sitting at home kind of wondering, what's next look into that it really helps you and it's all free and it's a great community for because everybody's in the same boat right everybody just some guys like me i was already doing it i already had a website i already kind of knew and then some guys are just like yeah i got out i was back on the block a month ago i don't know what i'm doing you know and it really helped them develop and at the very least go through the process whether that yeah. turned into their official business or not and make a million contacts just to help you do that. Yeah, sounds really great. I need to do something like that just to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> 31 yeah. and I haven't figured it out. I'm starting to look to my three-year-old for kind of advice yeah. on that. But so far yeah. she's just she's just said dinosaur and I don't know. <laughs> so. That's that's good though. I mean, that's three syllables. I mean, <laughs> you're, I think you're on it. Yeah, you found your calling mom, that's it. But uh, I think, uh, I could see why a lot of vets would want to go into business for themselves. I know when I got out, it was really hard to work with civilians, especially right. civilian bosses, to where it was like, okay, I got a better system than this. And nobody wants yes. to hear that you have a better system when you're the low man on the totem. So it's kind of like, right. you know, and so it gets frustrating. And I went through a couple of jobs as soon as I got out because it was like nothing was the military. I just couldn't yep. find it. And I don't think I will necessarily, but, uh, I could see why a lot of people want to go that route of just like, I'm going to be my own boss. Yes. Yeah. And that that's definitely true. And another thing that I would see, I didn't go officially on my own until I was, I don't know, 39, 40, because I was always afraid. I wanted that weekly check. I wanted those benefits, you know, um, and maybe we weren't in the position. My girls are all grown now. They're all back home and I'm driving them crazy right now. But, um, you know, they're all grown. So I think it was a different time for me that I really wanted to have that stability. But I wish I would have gone on my own earlier. I mean, I just work for some dumbasses, you know. And you think because they own their own company, they might be on the ball. But like you said, you know, you're the brand new person in a week. You're like, why are we doing it like this? It's the stupidest damn thing I've ever seen. And uh, I just wish I would have done it earlier. I would want to encourage everybody. If you've got an idea, man, just just do it. Do what you got to do to make it happen and, and do your own thing for sure. Yeah, when I was getting to the end of my contract, when I was active duty, I had a lot of ideas. I was like, oh, I'm going to do great. And then I got out and I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't do any of those ideas. And it was just, I kind of got stuck. And it was just like, uh, it kind of feels like someone pulls a rug out from under you if you're not fully prepared when you walk away from that stability because you don't, uh, I didn't realize how much I depended on the army 
right all the way down to benefits and it was just like oh man i have to find my own dentist <laughs> like, yeah right, right. <laughs> you know it's just like this is hard <laughs> and it's yeah. expensive it's and, expensive uh, and so i i know for me i got kind of scared by the financial end of it and i wasn't in a bad position when i left i was actually a private and specialist that didn't blow my deployment funds and stuff like that yep. so i i had an okay cushion when i left but it was kind of like, wow, I didn't really calculate how much I was saving just by being a soldier. And yeah. to pay for this separately, it's like, I need a job that's going to pay me well beyond minimum wage to have any of this. And I don't know where that job is because I don't know what else to do besides the army. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So and I had plenty of places when I applied, they're like, oh, you're only in the army. We don't think you're qualified to do this. It's like, this is a flower shop. I've done area beautification. <laughs> like, right. come on. I can put flowers together. But like yeah. you definitely had people that are like, oh, soldier, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And that has come uh so far since I was in. My goodness, back in the eighties, yeah, there was there was no thank you for your service type of thing. It's like, oh, couldn't make it into college, huh? You know? <laughs> Didn't know what, what else to be. Like yeah yeah i mean back in the day you know uh, uh we actually told people we were in college and you're trying to pick up chicks right if you said you're in the service that ain't happening they're like oh. <laughs> 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 oh so now it's like people have this idea if you're in the military it's just like uh especially growing or living around like fort riley these girls that come around they're like oh this person's got money it's like you have no idea how broke we are <laughs> like, yeah you have right. no idea you have no idea yep it's like you know don't realize how many of these guys are kind of just looking for their mother <laughs> right now yes because, you know yeah. like everybody gets out and uh gets out of high school goes in and it's kind of like you find the new parent and yeah. it's like <laughs> i mean i had buddies in the military that got out they're probably 39 and it's just like acting like they're in college i mean it's just like yeah. they don't know what to do with themselves <laughs> yeah so and to like, a degree you... that's all that's all that you've been i mean it's it's dorm living you know what i mean that's that's what it is yeah a lot of those guys that were single throughout it's kind of like the bachelor life for yeah you know yeah 15, i mean and you can years. you can stuff everything into the same laundry load, you know? I mean, you don't even have to sort your clothes. I mean, it's it's all good, it's all green. So, yeah, I'm still not allowed to do laundry here though, which works out in my favor. <laughs> I probably shouldn't, <laughs> but no one else will do it, so. <laughs> right, <laughs> Me right. or the three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, it's interesting when you get out that transition period where you're just trying to kind of acclimate to being a civilian again because it's strange how foreign it feels and it's yes. like in, you've been that before you've been around civilians i mean you're not yep. completely living in a bubble when you're on a base but it's it's two different worlds completely yep yeah and it's it's you almost kind of feel like you're compromising you know what i mean you're, you're trying to assimilate you're trying to fit in where it's not even comfortable to you know, to act like they do. I guess it's been a long time for me, so it's, but still there's a lot of it that just gets ingrained in you, you know, and, uh, and until you get around some other people that understand it, it's definitely tough. But, I know people like veterans definitely gravitate towards each other in public because you, yeah. can, you can definitely pick the people out. And I know when I went, when I started going back to college again, being around people that were eight years 
younger than me, it was just like everyone's having conversations about like how bad their life has been and they're talking about like oh walmart i have to work at walmart and it's the worst thing ever what's wrong with you i'm like i went to afghanistan i mean they're like (laughs) (laughs) like don't talk about that here uh right i I even had a teacher one time that was like everybody say something that's unique about yourself and i was like i'm a combat veteran and everyone's just like don't talk to her (laughs) like sit in the back of the class unbelievable and it's just like well i mean i was proud of it and they're just like yeah we're looking for like what's your favorite color over here (laughs) and you're like you're taking this way too far how many Uh, followers do you have you know important stuff yeah yeah but uh it's like if it's not on instagram that doesn't count that doesn't (laughs) count yeah but it, it taught me something because when i finally went into university to start working on my master's i realized where the gap in communication was between the civilian sector and the veteran community or just the military communities and i from being around those kids i learned a lot of these kind of the myths that they have like what they see everyone seemed to think that every day in the military is like black hawk down right you know saving private ryan and uh and so you start realizing, okay, people have this really kind of skewed idea of what we actually do. And so that's why I started doing stuff like the blog and the podcast, because yeah. uh, I wanted people to understand all the different stories. Because a lot of the podcasts I heard were like Green Berets and stuff. And I'm like, well, shit, I can't relate to that. Yeah, no. <laughs> and and it's it such a small worse. percentage, too, you know? Yeah, it made me feel worse. So hearing those stories and talk about like how they felt. But it didn't wasn't as bad as how I felt. But they were a green beret, so I'm like, well, then I don't have a reason. I was a supply clerk. I dispatched. Right. I don't have a. I have no right to feel this bad, <laughs> like yeah. Afghanistan or not. And so it got to the point where it's like I need to find just regular veterans that can cover all grounds. So yeah. the whole thing is covered. So it's like you got the ones that did crazy shit, and you got the ones that didn't do anything at all but still have a story to tell you because you can learn from everybody. And so uh, being around those kids, I mean, as annoying as it was, it really helped me understand where things needed to get worked on and uh, realizing how many civilians had no idea what like the 22 a day stuff was, no idea how high the veteran suicide rate. And so it's just like, wow. Like, so I started using college as like my platform to talk about veteran suicide, but, uh, I had to learn to do it in a way to make people care because, you know, people care during the moment you're given a briefing on it or something like that or a presentation and people seem concerned and then you walk away and then it's like within an hour of leaving class, they probably forgot what you talked about. So the podcast at least sits there and it lasts. And so constant reminder. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. It's definitely, I guess back in my time, uh, because ROTC was a class for me, um, and we wore, what do you, do you call them, ACUs now? I don't even know what you call them. We called them BDUs back in the day, battle dress, just uh, our cami. I think they were OCP or something when I left. They were just yeah, transitioning again. Right. So, I mean, that's what you wore to your ROTC classes, and, and nine times out of ten, I had classes before that. So, you know, I'd show up in uniform to... Uh, my intro to Spanish 100, you know, with a bunch of, 
with a bunch of 18 year old kids. <laughs> yeah, wait for that guy. <laughs> yeah, but it ended up kind of like you, you know, I ended up just kind of talking to them and they got to know me and realized that, yeah, I was, I was a carpenter, <laughs> you know, in the army. So, uh, we didn't do most of the stuff that you see on Black Hawk Down. I mean, we trained for it at one point in time, but pretty much I had a job and I went to it every day. And we went out in the field once every couple months, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. People are definitely curious about what we do and when they see you in uniform. And uh, I know I have a lot of veteran buddies that are really quick to just be like, I'm, I'm too good to talk to you. You're a civilian. Like you're beneath uh -huh. me. And then it's just like, well, if you keep giving that off, you know, nobody's going right. to ever really know what the right. deal is. And if you keep acting like that, people aren't going to care when we start no. talking about stuff like veteran suicides. They're like, well, good riddance. Those guys are douchebags. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, right. and so it's like, well, you got to kind of, even when you get out, keep that discipline of how you present yourself because people are still watching. I mean, you might not yeah. get yelled at by an NCO or something, but people are still paying attention to how you're acting. And as soon as they yeah. find out you're a veteran, it's going to be like, oh, well, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yep. <laughs> so if, if people wanted to reach out to you or talk knives or anything like that, is there anywhere they could contact anything specific you want them to go to? Yeah, um, my website is just 51bravo.com, and that's 51bravo.com. Um, and my email, for whatever reason, 51bravo with the numbers was already taken. So for my email, it's just spelled out, 51bravo.com. Um, and I'm also on uh, Instagram, at 51bravo, Facebook.com uh, slash 51bravo, I believe. So... Um, I tend to do a lot of different things on, on a lot of my sites, though, because um, I have my construction page. So some days I'll post a project that I made. Some days, like the other day, uh, my wife is, what you said about the garden, she's getting the Pinterest garden uh, of all, the mother of all Pinterest gardens. And yeah. uh, she's doing a lot of it herself. So we've been posting that. You know, she's got the uh, the raised planter thing. Yeah, the raised made. beds. And, yeah. yeah. And we we because I got so much property I've taken down some fence and we put it up the girls I showed my girls the business end of a post hole digger uh recently and uh they weren't fans no they they stuck with it though so we got the fence up and all that but I try to inject a lot of everyday life stuff in there too so whether it be knives whether it be veteran related whether it be how's it going you know I don't I don't really mind I like uh, speaking with other people and in particular veterans. Yeah. And then, I could be wrong, but aren't you part of four best, uh, giveaway COVID giveaway? Yeah. Yup. Yup. He got a hold of me from Iraq as a matter of fact. And, uh, through the veterans referring veterans community, which mm -hmm. that's been a ton of fun. I found them maybe a year or so ago, Justin, and uh, made tons of contacts through that. That's oh, I use really their stuff all the time to find people. Same here. You know, if I got anything that I could do through a veteran, you know, because same as me, you know, I make things, I'm trying to sell some things. So there's, everybody's doing that. And uh, like recently there's, uh, she's on, her company's called Charm City, I believe. I don't know Charm if you've City seen Spices. her on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I love to do smoking and barbecue. So. I sent her a note. She sent me a bunch of stuff, and I'm always sending her. 
ribs or whatever I'm doing. So, um, but yeah, that he hooked up me through that. I made a knife for him for his specs, and now he's doing a giveaway. I think he's what is he called it? The the I think it's COVID the COVID nineteen giveaway. It's going till he hits nineteen hundred, and that's till he hits nineteen hundred. Yes, four best LLC. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, in fact, he sent me something the other day. I got to repost it, but yeah. So he asked me if I'd like to be involved, and uh, so I've got a knife that's already made that I've said, "Yep, I'll do a giveaway for that. That's no problem." And I know, I think Liberty Bell is in there. He's already made me. He made me like a flag sign type thing with my logo on it, and it should be coming in soon. I'm super geeked about that. Um, yeah, it looked like there's about five of you. Five small yeah. businesses that were on that. So yeah, people want to yep. check Black that Phantom out. Black Phantom Tactical, I know, is on there. Uh, I think it's Grim Survival, and of course, Four Best, Liberty Bell, and me. I think is what it is. So. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I was checking yep. them out. I've been talking to Four Best for a while to see about getting that giveaway put out there because he was my first guest ever on the podcast. And, I uh, saw him on there, and I haven't made it to his episode yet. I kind of am working through in order, you know. But. Yeah, he was, uh, he was my first guest, and he's the reason why I started doing the interviews, because he hit me up. He's like, I want to be on your stuff. I was like, all right, I guess I need to figure out how to interview people. <laughs> so, I haven't physically talked to him in person, but he seems pretty intense. He's an awesome guy. He's actually going to be back on here, I think, in about a week or so, because we're going to plug that giveaway a few more times, see if we can get oh, some awesome. more people to check out what you guys are doing for it. So yeah, it should be fun. Trying to keep together in the veteran community, looking out for everybody. yeah. Now he seems like the uh, the hardcore person that we were talking about. That you know maybe we don't necessarily uh, identify with as much, but I think he was there, been there, and done that. The way it looked to me. Yeah, when I had someone, he's like, "Yeah, I'm just a retired ranger." I'm like, "I can't talk to you." <laughs> like, <laughs> what am That's I going to talk about? But uh. Well, Sean, I want to thank you for coming on here. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about your business and kind of just bullshit with me. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I'm glad that, in fact, Forbest is the one who reposted uh, about you. So it kind of directed me towards, so I started listening and I decided to uh, send you a note to see if maybe I could be on. So I appreciate the opportunity and, uh, you know, the extra shot in the arm and, uh, you know, if there's ever anything I can do to help you along or whatever, you know, I'll be happy to, of course. I appreciate it. Vice versa. Yeah. You ever need anything or you ever want to come back on? Awesome. Always welcome. Awesome. I appreciate right. it. Thanks, Sean. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes from Cruise Corner, make sure to subscribe. You can listen to episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or check us out on our very own CruiseCast located on the Cruise Corner website at www.cruisecorner.com. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, please contact us on our website or send us a DM on Instagram.